Welcome to the Property Insights Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you find your first home, your next home, or investment property. Join the conversation with Howie and Callum. Welcome to episode three of the Property Insights Podcast. Today, we're going to be covering finance and all things finance. How good? I'm Howie. I'm Callum. Um, Yes, we're going to do a bit of a holistic look at finance from a buyer's point of view. We're not finance experts by any stretch of the imagination, but we do have a bit of insight for you. So that's what we'll be talking about today. Yeah, first thing is uh, it's is what most buyers you know know that they need when they're trying to buy a property, which is pre-approval. Now, Howie, what's what's pre-approval? So pre-approval is a tick from the bank to say yes, um, we've looked at all your financial situation, we've looked at your uh, capacity to pay back the loan, we know that you've got your deposit ready. Uh, this is the range of um, you know properties that you should be looking at in terms of price. Um, go out and have a look. You are also in a position to be able to exchange on properties within this range. Yeah. So basically give you a limit on what you can you can buy. And the main thing I'd say is just note that this pre-approval is in 99% of cases subject to a bank valuation. So it's not formal approval. Formal approval comes after you've purchased the property. Uh, pre-approval is basically just to go out and look. Here's a blank check. Um, what we're going to do is after you've exchanged the contract, uh, we're actually going to send a bank valuer out to the property. They go, they actually check the property is there. Um, you know, the property exists. It's got four walls. It's got a roof. Um, and they check that you haven't, uh, you haven't overpaid. Look, our experience as agents of the bank valuation is that the bank or the financial institution will arrange their um, an independent valuer, and sometimes they have their own values to come out and have a look at the property. They will then report back to make sure that um, the property is valued at what you're paying for it because obviously, um, for whatever reason, if a buyer defaults on the loan down the track, they want to know that they can sell that property for the value that at least the value that you paid for it, less your deposit. Exactly. So in terms of getting pre-approval, um, there are a couple of steps involved. Uh, I'd always recommend, I don't know about you, Howie, I always recommend go to a broker, a mortgage broker. Speak to a, a, an expert in the space um, and make sure you're speaking to a person who's actually uh, got a lot of connections when it comes to getting your mortgage. If you're talking to a bank and just your bank manager, they can only offer you services that that bank has. They're not going to refer you to Commonwealth if you're with ANZ. Uh, and so it's easy, right? Like if you bank with ANZ or you bank with Combank, you know, it's kind of easy to go, well, I need a loan. I'll just talk to them about it because I've been banking with them for since I was a school kid. Um, it's just a, it's, it's the a old, natural the instinct. The old Dolomites with yeah. Dolomite Bank. But look, brokers do do a really good job. Uh, they only get paid um, by the financial institutions. Generally speaking, you don't have to pay them any money, but they can really shop around and make sure that you're getting the loan that suits you best. And and getting you you know better interest rates. Maybe they can refinance you down the track. Um, it's a good relationship to have. Again, generally doesn't cost you any money. The bank basically is, is paying them to bring you on as a customer. Um, that's how they get remunerated. So I'd always recommend talking to a broker. You're going to get a far wider ranging, um, you know, uh, services uh, that you can you can engage. And sometimes, um, you know, it is good to go to your bank for the first point of call for the first um, pre-approval. So you can get pre-approval from a bank um, that you that you are if you are with whatever institutions, George, Westpac, 
one of the big fours. But at the end of the day, once you've got that pre-approval, that gives you a little bit of leverage because you can then use that pre-approval um, and take it to your broker and the broker then take that um, and shop it around. So one, one thing that, that uh, by this episode, um, you know, hopefully you're, you're out looking at property um, and hopefully you do have your pre-approval, but if you don't and you do find a property that you really love, it can be a problem. Buyers can be going, oh my gosh, I really want to buy this one. Goes to auction in three weeks. How am I going to get my pre-approval? I'm self-employed, you know, all this, all this stuff. Um, different banks have different approval turnaround times. When they get really busy, the turnaround times get really long. Uh, something a broker can do that a bank definitely can't is what a broker can do is get you pre-approved with a different bank. And after you exchange that contract, you know maybe you got pre-approved at a, at a higher interest rate. After you've exchanged that contract, you go back to the other bank um, and get your final approval through them. Um, so you can change between exchange and settlement um, and, and having a broker is gonna help. It's gonna help get you ready for that process. Uh, the main thing is that you're ready. So when, you, when you're purchasing, you know, if you haven't got your finance approved, uh, it can take some time, right? It can take two weeks, it can take six weeks. That, that's sort of up to the bank and the institution and the broker. But what you want to be doing is when you're really serious about buying something, um, you really want to have the finance pre-approved and be ready uh, because things can happen very, very quickly in real estate. And if there's an opportunity to buy, you might walk in and you've looked at 50 properties and uh, you know this particular one is in the perfect spot it's near the kids primary schools that you want to send them to uh, it's right near the beach it's right near the shops it ticks all the boxes and it's an eight and a half a nine and a half out of ten you want to make sure that you're in a position to negotiate when the time comes because the agent might ring you and say I've had an offer on this property and you say uh, I haven't got my pre-approved my finance pre-approved yet can you wait and the agent's not going to wait for you. They're going to want to put that deal together as soon as they can if it's the right deal for the vendor. Yeah, or you've been looking at a lot of properties um, and your pre-approval actually lapsed. So it's good to note that pre-approvals generally last three months um, and you need to get that renewed every three months and then you get another three months. Um, and the assessment is going to change. You might be getting in, in this current uh, interest rate environment, you're probably going to be getting less money every three months um, just as interest rates go up. Um, when they reassess you, they're reassessing you at a, at a higher rate if interest rates have gone up. So I'd be making sure your pre-approval is current and is valid because three months can go by really, really quickly. Um, and you know you might be coming into a really nice property and realizing your pre-approval just lapsed last week. Uh, so, so make sure, set some reminders in your phone um, about two months um, to, to check with your broker about what you need to do to get that, get that renewed. Um, so that's, that's finance because uh, most people are buying with a bank. If you're not buying with a bank, well, lucky you. Um, the next thing I suppose we talk about is, is you know, how to pay a deposit um, and what sort of finance options there are for a deposit. Yeah, so most deposits nowadays, or traditionally, they've always been 10% of the purchase price. Um, those deposits now, there's a little bit more flexibility with a lot of um, vendors uh, accepting if they're in a position to um, a 5% deposit. Um, having said that, what you, even though they're offering that 5% deposit, um, this is why the, the contract and your conveyancer are so important to you because you are actually liable to pay the full 10% deposit. Um, but they're just offering you a bit of flexibility um, at the at the front end of the purchase. Yeah, so so methods to pay deposit, um, the most common one is cash. You know, you've got the money sitting in your bank account. You've got your 10% deposit sitting there in your bank account. 
you exchange on the property and you need to get that money into a, um, a trust account. Generally the agent or the solicitor's trust account um, and that's where it sits uh, until, until settlement. So, so cash is the, the easiest one to, to go about. Um, the, the other main method that people use to pay deposits is what's called a deposit bond. Um, a deposit bond is generally used when someone hasn't got access to the cash, but they own a property. So, for example, you sold your property on, you know, number one, Smith Street, and the buyer has paid their deposit uh, sitting in that trust account of your agent that you've just sold with, but you don't have access to that, and you can't use that money to buy the next the next property. So you want to you want to actually you want to buy the next property. You want to put your deposit down. Um, you'd go to um, to your broker again or to your bank, and you'd say, "I need what's called a deposit bond." Uh, they're going to check that you own property, aka the property you've just sold, because you still you still own it at that point until it's settled. Effectively, it's a slip of paper that you hand over to the per- uh, to the vendor of the property you're buying, and that that vendor can go and cash that in for money um, at any point if you're uh, not going to complete on the purchase. Uh, it does cost a little bit of money, and you would have to get that okayed. Some old school solicitors don't like them. Um, I'd always say tell the agent you're looking to use a deposit bond, but it's a great method if you don't have, you know, just don't have, you know, one or two hundred thousand dollars cash sitting around uh, to pay a deposit. Yeah, so look, um, I think it would be remiss of us as agents to not talk about how important that deposit is, because obviously that's money that you've saved over the over the years to get you in a position to buy a house. Congratulations, that's not an easy thing to do, but you've done it. You've saved up ten percent. Um, let's call it a million dollar apartment. Um, you've got $100,000 sitting there ready to purchase. When is that deposit at risk? So if you don't complete on the property, it's at risk. You're going to lose it. And by not complete, we mean pay the remainder. So say it's a million-dollar apartment, as you just used an example of. You've put $100,000 down. Um, If for some reason you can't come up with the other nine hundred, which is you know, normally made up part of bank and part of what you might have left over or a sale of a property that you've got. Um, If you can't pay that money, um, then you're at risk of of the owner taking that 10% and putting the property back on the market and you just, you lose it. It's it's gone. Hasn't happened to me. Um, I haven't had one where... Where, where a buyer's actually lost their, their deposit, um, just as plain and simple as that. So it's very, very rare. But um, this is why it's important to make sure you get your finance sorted before you actually exchange that contract. So there can be a cooling off period on the contract um, where you pay a 0.25% deposit and you can withdraw within five days. Uh, beyond that five days, once the contract goes what's known as unconditional, an unconditional exchange. It goes into the sold section on real estate and domain. Um, it comes off the market. There's no more open homes. At that point, your deposit's locked in. Um, you've got to come up with a remainder of the money, um, you know, or you're going to lose that deposit. Yeah. So there might be an example where you've paid a million dollars for the apartment because you absolutely loved it. As I said, it ticks all the boxes and, and it was incredible. But when the bank comes and does the valuation, they're not seeing value at that million dollars. You might there might have been no competition. You just you were emotional about it. You made this big offer. They're only guiding seven hundred, but you put in this big million dollar offer because you didn't want to lose it. What's the situation there? When the bank comes and does the valuation, they value it at eight hundred. You've paid a million dollars for it. You've only got finance for eighty percent. Eighty percent. So what they're going to do is they're going to loan you eighty percent of eight hundred. 
They're not going to loan you 80% of the million. So any shortfall between where uh, the bank valuation comes in and the purchase price, you're going to have to make that up yourself. How are you going to find that money? So uh, there are other institutions that uh, will actually loan you more than 80%. Um, You will be paying much higher interest rates. This is where it's really important to have a broker. A good mortgage broker, let me tell you, everyone thinks they've got the best mortgage broker, but there are mortgage brokers and mortgage brokers. So make sure you're talking to to the agent because they want to get this done. Um, so are, the bank's only going to loan you 80% of the 800. Um, and and that, that can, be, can be trouble. You can try and get a second bank valuation done to try and see if you can get a higher um, valuation on the property. Um, or you've got to really, you've got to lean on family, friends, you know, whoever you can, or whatever you can do, sell cars. I've seen people do all sorts of things to try and make up any sort of shortfall. It's, it's pretty, pretty stressful, but um, losing you know, $100,000 after tax money um, is, is probably going to be worse. Yeah, and as you said, we're not experts in finance, but the most important thing is to get the right people around you. Talk to family, talk to friends, see what brokers they've used, uh, see what conveyances they've used. If you're not sure, you don't have anyone that can, can recommend, talk to your agent. They'll have a list of people that they work with on a regular basis. Get the right people around you because it's it, there is risks involved with buying real estate. You don't want to put yourself in a position where uh, you're at high risk. You just want to make it as smooth as possible. Buy your perfect property. Move in there six weeks later or six months later or whatever the settlement is um, and, you know, start enjoying that new lifestyle. And if, you, if, if you're not sure where to start and you don't know, you know, who to deal with, reach out to us, propertyinsightspodcast at gmail.com and we can point you in the right direction. Uh, so send us an email. If you've got any other questions, let us know as well. But uh, thanks for joining us on this episode. Thank you so much. See you on episode four.